Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. In this episode, Edie Hicks will share with us a story about a humble man with tuberculosis. He didn't have much, but what he had was more precious than earthly wealth. He had the love of Jesus Christ in his heart. This story is entitled, A Solar Speaker for Fiago. Dave and I regularly visit people who have disabilities and other physical needs. We try to make sure that they have food, clothes, bedding, and a dry place to sleep. As we interact with them, we try our best to encourage them and brighten their days. Our objective is to figure out ways to nurture these people spiritually. We do our best to get local church members involved in helping them too. We always offer to read the Bible and pray with them, if they are willing. Some time ago, we were invited by Joe, a South African missionary, to help him finish constructing a better house for one of the disabled families we, he knew. The house was constructed of palm tree leaves and sticks. He had already poured a cement floor, and David was to help install a wooden door with a lock. When we arrived, I saw an elderly lady sitting directly on the sand under a tree. She and her legs were quite skinny. We could see that her left chin has a nasty hole and a piece of metal poking out of it. I learned that a bullet had passed through her leg during the Civil War, and the exposed metal was a failed attempt to fix her leg. The wound had never closed up, even after 20 years. I tried to speak to her in Portuguese, but she could not understand me. Then I heard a voice coming from inside the cooking hut saying, Mama doesn't speak Portuguese. She only speaks her local language. I left the woman to see who was talking to me and found a smiling disabled man sitting on the sand floor surrounded by smoke. Thank you for coming to visit me, he said in English as I came in. He was slicing vegetables on his laps and slipping them carefully in a pot of bubbling stew heated by a fire at his side. What are you cooking? I asked. Nothing but boiled vegetables without seasoning, he replied. He then remarked that he couldn't see me very well because his eyes were not good anymore. As we talked, I found out that his name is Fiago and his mother's name is Novelina. Fiago used to work in a gold mine in South Africa. He had aimed to make enough money to buy a house in Mozambique for himself and his mother. But five years ago, he started feeling very sick and became too weak to work. He was diagnosed with tuberculosis and sent back to Mozambique. Sadly, his vision quickly deteriorated to the point where he can only see shadows. With concern, I asked Fiago if he was not afraid of burning himself if, if he cannot see very well as he cooks over the fire. He replied, I'm not afraid. God gives me the grace to do things I need to do. See, she said as he pointed to his legs. I don't have strength in my legs anymore. Tuberculosis has attacked my spine and has crippled me. 
I have to be sitting most of the time, and I use crutches to go from place to place. As I continued to talk, I couldn't help but to be impressed by his faith in God. He had been studying the Bible before he lost his eyesight. He is not a member of a church, but quoting, memorized Bible promises, and remembering Bible stories brings him strength in hard times. He went on to say, My friends have abandoned me, and my family helps me only a little. It is Jesus who is always with me. I can talk with him at any time. He is my friend. He never leaves me alone. My heart was filled with wonder by this man's cheerfulness and faith and has continued to talk over an hour. I had come to this man's house thinking that I needed to comfort him in his severe back pain, but it was I who received encouragement. This man didn't have wealth or health, but he did have a positive attitude. As we left, we promised to keep coming back to visit him. He was a real inspiration to me. We have returned to see Fiago and his mother many times. We always bring food. Often, I learn that all he has had for a meal is a cup of tea or a cup of dried minions. No wonder he and his mom are so skinny. One other visit, I sat in the, sh the shade on a tree outside their house, opened the Bible app on my phone and read encouraging passages to them. Fiago was excited to have the Bible read out loud to him in Portuguese. Again, I was struck by how positive Fiago was despite his disabilities. Not once did I hear him complaining about his pain or being unable to do anything but sit at home. I only heard praises coming from his lips. He kept talking of God's goodness and mercies towards him and his mother. By the way, his mother, after many years of waiting, finally had the metal bar removed from her leg. We discovered that Fiago enjoys distributing evangelist books about the Sabbath. Whenever we visit him, he always asks us if we have more books for him to give away. He is well known in his small town, and his house is across the street from a local medical clinic. As a result, many people walk past his house giving him plenty of opportunities to distribute all the books we can supply him. Last time we visited Fiago, I could tell that all was not very well. He seemed discouraged and his words were not uplifting as they used to be. Although he had finished the tuberculosis medicine, his spine had continued to degenerate and his back pain was much worse. His health has deteriorated. He now goes to the bathroom in his bed at night without knowing it. Unfortunately, the health clinic cannot do anything more to help him. When he left Fiago, it was obvious that he needed special encouragement and spiritual food, so we decided to get him a solar speaker loaded with Portuguese hymns and sermons. We gave the solar speaker to him, and he got so excited that he immediately turned it on. He started a hymn and closed his eyes. When he opened his eyes and looked at me, I could see the joy written in his face. Thank you, he whispered. I needed this very much. Thank you for listening to Edie's story. Since we have a little time left over, let's skip over to the island of Palawan and listen to a short vignette 
on mission life in the Philippines, titled Subliki. He's still alive? I asked again to clarify that I had heard correctly. Yes, was the reassuring response. That response gave renewed energy to my tiredness. We had been doing hard hiking for the past one and a half hours, and I was fairly certain we were hiking only to find the patient already dead. But no, he had made it this long, so there was a good chance that he would make it until we arrived. So we hurried on our way. Subliki's older brother had arrived at the clinic a couple of hours earlier. Sweat covered his face. His face looked worried and he had most likely run all the way to the clinic. Subliki had fallen from a tree and had been impaled with another tree and had intestines protruding out of his abdomen as a result. That's all the report I needed to hear before I headed back inside the clinic to call the helicopter pilot and ask if he could fly over. Subliki was from a village several hours of hard hiking away. Yet when I called the pilot, I was disappointed to find out that he was in the capital, hours away from where his helicopter was at their base. So Justina and I decided to start hiking. On the way up the hill, as we passed through the last village where I thought we would have cell phone service, I called Daniel, the pilot, and asked if he could start driving back to his base so that he could fly into the mountains and meet us in Subliki's village. It was already the afternoon, and I knew that to try to carry a patient with this extent of injuries would be very risky. So Daniel started driving and we continued hiking. The plan was that we would go and try to stabilize the patient as much as we could and then wait for Daniel to arrive and he would pick us up and fly the patient out to the lowlands where he would be able to get more extensive care at the hospital. After climbing up the, ste- the side of mountains so steep that you can reach out and touch the ground in front of you, sliding and slipping down the other side, climbing up cliffs by grabbing onto roots and following the river up through the valley for a ways, we arrived at his village. We were amazed to see him awake and alert and his vital signs were stable. He was laying on a bamboo stretcher that his family had made for him. His father had cut the tree and pulled him off of it Even though part of his intestines were out of his abdomen, the patient was not having any extensive bleeding. His right thigh was severely swollen, his right arm and shoulder and his left wrist were disfigured, and he had a large gaping wound in his back where the tree had gone through. About five feet worth of tree had gone into his abdomen and come out his back, and he had fallen from 25 to 30 feet high. We had a miracle lying in front of us. Justine and I did what we could for Subliki. We started in IV fluids, we took vital signs, we covered his wounds and tried to put some temporary splints on his broken bones as we waited for Daniel. When Dave Daniel arrived, he helped us to stabilize him further. And then we loaded him up and flew straight to the Palmas base where Subliki and I transferred to the airplane. and the pilot flew us to Puerto. God provided a way for us to be able to get to the Palmas base just in time. If we had been any later, 
the airplane would not have been able to fly as it was so close to dark and it's illegal to fly after night. But we arrived with just enough time to make the one hour flight to the capital, Puerto Princesa. Once we arrived in Puerto, we waited for a very long time for an ambulance to arrive at the airport to pick up Subliki. But the ambulance never arrived, and so we finally called some friends who were able to come and pick us up and drive us and the patient to the hospital. Once we arrived at the hospital, we waited another very long time before they took Subliki in and started giving him treatment for all of his multitude of injuries. Subliki was admitted. He received the surgeries he was needing on his abdomen and on his broken limbs. The doctor had said that if he survived the first couple of days without an infection, he had a good chance. After about 10 days in the hospital, he was discharged and he spent about six weeks recovering at the farm in the lowlands. Only two months after his fall, this living miracle hiked the hours back to his village. He came by the clinic on his way to his village. He had just hiked for two or three hours. I asked him if he would like to spend the night, thinking that he would be tired. But his response was, no, I want to go home. So he hiked the next three hours and made it to his village in the same day. So praise the Lord for his mir the miracle that he worked for this boy. Please keep Subliki in your prayers. He still has some recovery ahead of him, and we pray that God will continue to draw this boy to him. What an incredible story. Looking at Subliki's odds, it seemed that he should have died, especially in his condition. But he miraculously survived. God provided everything they needed to save Subliki's life just in time. The miracle that God did is a true testament of power and love of God in Subliki's life. We pray that he will draw even more closer to God through this miracle that God performed in him. Thank you for listening and may you also be blessed by these stories just as the missionaries themselves were blessed.